Hello and welcome back for another exciting edition of Outside is Overrated. Thank you so much for joining us today. In today's show we're going to be talking about our favorite gaming gifts. We'll talk about some of the biggest disappointments in media in 2018. And we'll end with a long discussion of the best games of 2018. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Premier Health. Please check out their website at premierhealthmn.com. I'm your host, Tom Awesome. Joining me today for the first time on Outside is Overrated is my dear friend, a longtime friend, and the guy who actually got me into audio podcasting, Joey Burns, The Hobby Box. Welcome to the show, Joey. hey good to be here. We've been friends for a long time. We go all the way back to college. Uh, one of my favorite memories about you involves you throwing up into cups at Perkins. <laughs> Yes, that was uh, oh, Perkins up here in Plymouth, even, I guess, right? You know, I don't remember. It was not Mankato. We were at yes. a fraternity formal or semi-formal or some On a boat event. on Lake Minnetonka, and the drinks floweth too much or something like that. I can't remember exactly how it worked. But, yeah, that was a rough night. Thanks for being there. Yeah, well, <laughs> anytime. I'm still here for you now. So we used to do this podcast called Game On Oblivious Noobs. Uh, it was Terrible great. title. I think it was a great title. <laughs> I came up with it. I abbreviated out to Goon. I thought the Goon Gamecast had a lot of potential. We did maybe seven episodes, five or so hit the air. I remember giving you a lot of crap about how slow you were at editing and uploading <laughs> podcasts. How, what, do you, what do you think about that now, Tom? Oh, the horrible irony. <laughs> so today is January what? 12th of 2019. Something like that. I recorded my last podcast in May of 2018. It has not been edited and posted yet. So. <laughs> January might be a two-four month. Yeah, that's all right. So before we launch into it here, you should all take one or two quick moments to follow us on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Tom underscore underscore awesome. Make sure you get both underscores in there. You can also follow the show on Facebook.com slash Outside is Overrated on Instagram at Outside underscore overrated pod it's a whole lot of underscores but follow us everywhere it's great stuff joey is there anywhere that people can follow you online um well i'm on twitter sometimes at hobbyboxburns. i have an instagram but i've never posted anything i don't f- follow anybody other than you and like two other people so so why on earth do you have instagram because I, I wanted to secure the name in case i decided to use it at some point so i'm at hobbyboxburns on that if you want to follow me and see me post nothing you don't want to be hobby underscore box underscore burns or hobby underscore underscore box underscore burns with like a dollar sign as the s probably oh i bring it with the two underscores <laughs> i have the market cornered on the double <laughs> the holidays could be hard moving into our first full segment here the holidays can be hard for me as a hardcore gamer no one in my family gives games as gifts really no one in my family is really into gaming Outside of my wife, no one really gets me games, no matter how specific I am with a list. I've gone to the level of detail of just putting the link to Amazon and sending it to everyone and saying, please, buy me this game. And it doesn't really happen. This year is a nice surprise for me when my brother-in-law gave me Keyforge, which I haven't played yet, but I'm super excited. I think you're into it, aren't you? Yeah, Keyforge is fantastic. That's actually, fitting with this topic, the really good gaming gift I got this year as well for my birthday. Uh, one of my friends, we decided to do a card gaming day. And he bought, this was when it was still, like, readily available when it first came out, bought, like, six packs and then the starter set. 
And yeah, we played it quite a bit. My roommate has gotten into it. Lance from Game on Oblivious Noobs as well. Or Noobs. <laughs> noobs as well. Uh, the other one, the other name's probably a little bit different. Um, but yeah, Keyforge is fantastic. Like, each deck is its own singular, like, thing. Like, nobody else is going to have that deck that you get. And it's so fun to just open it up, see what's in there, play with it, and try to figure out how to make it work. Uh, so yeah, I like Keyforge a lot. We'll have to play sometime. Yeah, it looks really cool. So... I wasn't expecting to get into it. I play enough collectible card games as it is. I'm looking at you, Lord of the Rings living card game. <laughs> uh, but when I got the decks, I dug through them. It looks really cool, so I did the only logical thing. I went to Fantasy Flight Games, the makers of Keyforge, and I said, Can I have the Keyforge starter deck, please? And they said, No! <laughs> We've been out of it for months, dummy. Get out of our store! Yes. <laughs> so thanks a lot, Fantasy Flight. <laughs> really looking forward to getting into Keyforge with somebody else's starter decks. Though, if you do want to sponsor the show, you can email us at... <laughs> overratedpod at gmail.com. Remember, overrated has two R's in it. O-V-E-R-R-A-T-E-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. We would certainly welcome your money. And never bad talk you again. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make promises, I can't. Uh, in addition to Keyforge this year, I also got three compilations of Lady Thor books for my mother-in-law for my birthday, which was pretty sweet and unexpected. I love comic books, and I think Lady Thor is pretty badass. I have loved them. Awkward silence as we look at each other and get lost in each other's eyes. This is the magic of audio podcasting. Such deep staring into there. And it's like, so gray looks good on some people, but it actually looks fantastic on you. I just wanted to let you know that. Yeah, the last time I got a haircut, I've got this stupid little rogue strike at the front of my hair as I start to fully transition into gray, which is just awful, but <laughs> she said it looks good. Phoenix says it looks good, so, you know, who am I to say yeah. growing gray sucks? Yeah. Also, fuck you, Joey. <laughs> I've got a couple of little white hairs in my beard that makes you feel better. I am a year younger than you, though, so... Yeah, my beard is almost entirely gray. That doesn't help. That's <laughs> not. Now, if you could carry the show while I go and cry in the corner, that would be just terrific. <laughs> Speaking of giving games as gifts, I am, as I am in most areas of life, pretty awesome. I'm always watching for video game sales. For instance, this year I gave my brother-in-law the newest Tomb Raider game. He's a big fan of the rebooted series. Both Tomb Raider, I think Shadows of the Tomb Raider, and God of War, which I got for a combined cost of $60. Nice. You gotta hit those deals. Absolutely. <laughs> so what are some of the best gaming gifts you've ever received, Bernsey? Um, So the one that steps out... So my family is interesting in that we don't do much gifting. So, like, from my parents, I have the choice of getting beef or money for for Christmas. Uh, <laughs> I so much about you, Joey. <laughs> and so I, I don't really have the need for a whole quarter of beef. So I take, you know, a check or cash money each year. So technically they've probably bought me a lot of games, um, but not directly. So, and then my brothers and sisters, like I buy stuff for all the nieces and nephews and they do too, but we just don't really do a lot of gifting around each other. And so I have to dig back into the vault. And I remember for First Communion, so you think like First Communion, Catholic kid, you know, that's not really something where you'd really get like games. But uh, shortly after it came out, Super Mario Brothers 3, 
I got that for my first communion. When I opened that up, I was just like, I figured it was going to be like a Bible or like a cross chain or Expecting something. Expecting a Bible and you get Super Mario Bros. 3. Yes, it was it was fantastic. And so, yeah, so that's probably the best gaming gift I've ever received looking back. You know, I, I remember getting like NES for Christmas, SNES for Christmas. But yeah, Super Mario, Super Mario Bros. 3 was the best. So, I tell her what good friends we are. And I do consider you <laughs> one of my best friends. But we got to back up for a second here. A quarter of beef? Did you grow up on a farm, Joey? Not on a farm. That's the funny thing. My dad raised beef cattle, but we didn't really have a farm. Technically, you could maybe call it a hobby farm. But he would buy, a like... A hobby farm for a hobby box. See, there you go. That works perfectly, actually. But no, he would raise, like, 12 to 15 beef cattle each year. That, that's that. <laughs> that was all he really did. So, no other farming, just working. So, your dad raised livestock as a hobby. We play a shitload of video games. I think... I don't know where the generational shift happened or how it happened, but things are sure different now. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we each deal with shit in a different way, I guess, would be how it would be. <laughs> Cow shit, shitty games, you know? Yeah, well, we'll get into the shitty games <laughs> That was a tear. I don't know what that was. I just have to say that. I don't know what that... That was like the weirdest non sequitur I think I've ever said. Yeah, well, you know, we're recording a podcast at 9.24 in the morning. Usually, I drink alcohol while we're recording a podcast. <laughs> Today, we both have cups of coffee. Things are just weird now. I think the coffee's working, though, so... Yes, well, let's pump it up. <laughs> One final thought I had on giving gifts as games. I don't have anything as memorable as the Super Mario 3 for my communion story, but I do remember I got my original PlayStation for either my 16th or 17th birthday, and that was pretty amazing. And generally, my parents would give me one video game for Christmas like every other year, and I always knew what box they came in. So we'd get to <laughs> open one package on Christmas Eve. My mom was always so annoyed that I always picked a video game. <laughs> and that's why I need to do deceptive wrapping. Also, that is true. I'm hosting a holiday party with some nerd friends later today. I'm giving a Zelda-themed gift set, which should be pretty awesome. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have the best gift in the group. We're supposed to spend $20. I spent like 40 but uh, it's a price you pay for the <laughs> As long as you don't go the Michael Scott route and, like, bring to the whole thing the iPod, you know, when it was supposed to be spend $20 and he gets an iPod for someone, he's like, yeah, but what about the iPod? That was the best gift. <laughs> That's totally what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm Michael Scotting my own don't, don't give us a copyright strike, a Price is Right. I know that was spot on. It, totally, I knew what you were going for. <laughs> it's time now for... The Final Countdown! Tom Awesome's Top 5 Countdown. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... So today's top five is focusing on the games I'm looking forward to this year. Now we had a little pre-show discussion, we'll get into a little bit more, but I guess I should have been a little more clear. These are the top five games that I'm most excited to play this year, not necessarily that are coming out this year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Number five, I'm looking forward to wrapping up the best games of 2018. Last Saturday I finally beat Spider-Man, which I absolutely adored, and tonight I hope to, if not wrap up, get very close to finishing God of War. Nice. Number four, Zelda. I, we once had a very impassioned subject about the state of Nintendo and the value of the Wii U. And who are you talking to that about? That was you and me on the Goon Gamecast. Yeah, I think so. 
It'd be fun to dig that back up, maybe cut a clip about how you said Nintendo is dead, but we'll discuss that another day. Yeah, and I'll hold my Switch while I say it. (laughs) (laughs) For my number four, I chose Zelda. I want to use my Wii U. I want to finish up Twilight Princess. I'm somewhere in the middle of that game, I think. I can turn into the wolf, so, you know, that's cool. I want to play Wind Waker, which I have on it. I want to play all of the games that were re-released on the Wii. I have a shit ton of Zelda, and I have played very, very little of it. I have played even less, but go ahead. I've played Breath of the Wild. That's something. You should go back and maybe play them all in reverse order and see them just get worse and worse with the generations. I've only played 10 hours of Breath of the Wild. I thought you beat Breath of the Wild. Oh, no, no. Did you not enjoy Breath of the Wild? Breath of the Wild was okay. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Breath of the Wild was okay. Oh, my God. I'm going to lose my GD mind in the last segment of this show. We'll get there. Number three. I want to. I also, this year, want to play a whole lot of Dark Souls. I played the original one a bit, but I hit a wall because I had a dumb build. When I restart on the PS4 remastered version, I'm going to avoid the Pyromancer like the GD Plague. I am probably going to play a faster character that dual wields and try to just outrun all of my opponents. And if that doesn't work so well, I'll just go to the Board and Sword and just grind my way through that game. But not just Dark Souls. I want to play Dark Souls. I want to finally beat the original Dark Souls. I want to play 2. I want to play 3. I want to play Bloodborne. I want to play a bunch of Neo. I'm upgrading to a PS4 Pro today, and I am so excited to see how beautiful Neo looks on that on my 70-inch 4K TV. Life is good. (laughs) Very, very good. Number 2, something fun that Joey and I decided to do this year. We're going to do a Final Fantasy Challenge. Now, we'll be updating this on shows throughout the year. We'll write some pieces about it for OutsideIsOverrated.com. We're doing a Final Fantasy Challenge where we're going to play 12 different games over 12 months. So the way I see this working is I'm going to play, we're playing one this month. We agreed on one for January, or we agreed, or I told you, you know, it's somewhere in the middle there. Well, I'm going to play this game as far as I can get. Hopefully I beat it, but if not, in February I move on to Final Fantasy 2. And then each month we're just going to play another game and we will share our thoughts on them. And the last show of the year in December will be a Final Fantasy extravaganza. I'm super excited for that. Huge Final Fantasy fan. You know, I am too, but I haven't played a tremendous amount. I've played 1, 4, 7, 9, 10, 12, 13, and Tactics. Tactics is one of my favorite games of all times. But I've only beaten 7, 9, stupid 13 in Tactics. Yeah, for as much as I love Final Fantasy, and, and that's probably my favorite game series of all time, will always probably be. Unless they, like, really screw up the series. Like Final Fantasy Thirteen did? Uh, I mean, I need to go back and give that game a second shot. Because in the time, it... Well, and I'm going to, I guess, this year. But it's, like, in the time... Oh, I I'll think, have Thirteen off the list. <laughs> oh, that's did the one you? we're not playing. Oh! I guess we should talk about the timing, but we can do that offline. Yeah, that's per- that's perfect. But, yeah, I've only actually beaten um, 7, 10, and 15. So, even though I've played 6... Almost three times all the way through, just never beat it. I played nine all the way to the final disc, but then my final disc was scratched, so I wasn't able to beat that. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. New digital copies. Yes. And so I'm super excited to do this. I've been really loving what I've played of Final Fantasy 1 so far. And so, yeah, hopefully we keep it going. Number one's been a fun trip down Nostalgia Lane. Like, it's not a great game, and it certainly has its issues today, but overall, I think it's super fun to just go back and grind out some levels. Mm Mm-hmm. And slowly, incrementally make progress in it. 
I think it's interesting that you beat 10. I never beat 10, but I played a crap ton of it. I got so bogged down in Blitzball. I remember one night I was home from college on winter break, and I played Blitzball literally the entire night from like 9 p.m. until 9 a.m. My mom woke up and said, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so the whole challenge ought to be fun. My number one thing that I'm looking forward to playing this year, Red Dead Redemption. I didn't start on 2. Um, I played a bit of the first one, but never got super far into it, so I'd like to do the full experience, play through the first one on my Xbox One, and then devour the second one. Red Dead's okay. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I played the first one, I played the first half of it. This one, I guess, I wouldn't say it didn't grab me, because I played, I've played probably 15 hours of it, but, I don't know, it's just a methodical game, and... Every time I'm sitting down at my PS4 to decide if I'm going to play Red Dead for a while or if I'm going to play Overwatch, I pick Overwatch because it's like I'm not going to get tied in for three hours. It's like I could play a game and jump out, but then I end up playing Overwatch for three hours. So, so yeah, um, I don't know. It's weird. I expected myself to get into it a lot more. I think you like a little more chaos in your games, and I think that's one of the things that draws us together in our friendship. I... <laughs> We have very similar play styles in Ghost Recon Wildlands. <laughs> we both have a tendency to run up and grab yep. the button. One of us frustrates your roommate more than the other, which I don't understand. <laughs> I, guess, I think the combo frustrates him just to no end, though. Yeah, that's true. Wildlands is a great game. Yes, it is. So there's my top five games I'm looking forward to playing this year. Looking forward to sharing thoughts on Final Fantasy Challenge. Realistically, I don't know what I'm actually going to get to. I'm going to do the Final Fantasy Challenge... And then, you know, I hope to wrap up some of the bigger games of the year, but then with a new baby, finding time for gaming is hard. Yeah, I bet. Um, I don't have that problem. And so, the one thing I do need to say, though, is it is a little weird that your top five games that you're looking forward to in 2019, like, none of them come out in 2019, and most of them didn't even come out in 2018 or 2017. Uh We'll get into this more with our disappointment segment, but I don't have time for things that suck. <laughs> I don't want to play the greatest. I haven't paid a lot of attention to the 2019 release calendar. There's only one game that I know is coming out this year that I'm super excited for, from the creator of Dark Souls, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Yeah, that looks interesting. I've never really gotten into the Dark Souls games either. I've played so. a little Bloodborne. I have played a little Bloodborne. Um, I don't know. There's lots of games that are going to be interesting this year. So there's Anthem. You also look at it, is Last of Us Part 2 going to come out this year or not? Um, Dreams, like Sony has been working on that. Media Molecule has been working on that for ages. The new sort of, new and improved Little Big Planet basically is what it is. Is that going to come out? The beta's out now, and so most likely it'll come out this year. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. 2017 and 2018 were fantastic years for games. The I guess everything's up in the air right now as to whether... Like a new Pokemon for Nintendo, Metroid Prime 4, which is the one thing they've been pumping up some too that they said back then, and it's been like quiet since then. I don't know. It could be really good. It could just be a mediocre year as we wait for the new consoles. We love games, and we want to thank our sponsor one more time. Premier Health has solutions for back pain, neck pain, car accidents, and work injuries, and more. I suggest seeing Dr. Camille in Golden Valley, Minnesota. You can learn more at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN.com. You just mentioned that it was a great year for gaming, and I agree. 2018 was just amazing for gaming, but that doesn't mean that everything that came out in OIO is about more than just games. So I thought it might be interesting to discuss some of the things that let us down this year. 
as I mentioned earlier, I don't have time for things that I don't enjoy. If I don't like something, I'm just going to walk away. Like, I just, I'll give it a couple hours, and if it doesn't grab me, you know, there, I have a thousand games that I am excited to play, and I will move on to something else. So, you don't like it when games waste your time. Correct. Let me tell you about The Quiet Man. What is The Quiet Man? So, this year, I actually kind of got into playing full motion video video games. So, games that use full motion video, kind of like it was really popular in like the early 90s. And it's kind of yeah, made a reason. so was anime porn. That's <laughs> well, that's still popular, supposedly. Some Noted. people say. Noted. <laughs> But it's, it's had a resurgence in the last couple of years. Lots of people have been making games and doing different things with it, which has been interesting. The Infectious Madness of Dr. Decker is a really interesting game where you're a psychiatrist and you're trying to figure out this mystery by asking the psychiatrist other patients. And it's all for motion video responses. You type in your question and they respond to it. I don't know if this is a real game or if you're just messing with me. No, no, no. Proceed. It's real. And then there's the the Late Shift, which is another FMV game where it has lots of branching paths and everything like that. So I've actually kind of gotten into those types of games and sort of... It's got that interesting kind of... I don't know, je ne sais quoi, I guess we could say. Where are you finding these games? Are they on <laughs> PS4? They're all on PS4. So then comes The Quiet Man, which mixes full motion video. Um, it's published by Square Enix. It mixes full motion video with like a brawler type of thing. So kind of like your Yakuza or your, or like the brawler that Square Enix made like ages ago. And the whole thing is that the quiet man, the main character that you play is deaf. And so after the first two minutes of the game, you don't hear anything anymore. So like ever, like throughout the entire game, it's a three, three hour game ish depending upon how much you struggle with the controls and hate your life while you're playing it. So it's a full-motion video game for three hours, and you play for two hours and 58 minutes without any sound. Yes. And so, you know, and that wouldn't be bad if... So what do you think of the sound design for this game? So it's... They do some interesting stuff with it, but it's terrible. I mean, it's just like this, like, ringing noises of different things, and you hear thuds when you get hit and when you're hitting other people and stuff like that. But the brawler controls are terrible. The graphics are atrocious when it cuts into the brawler. It goes out of FMV and it's like 3D rendered, but it's terrible. Joey's pumping his hands on either side of his body. <laughs> and his point. The, the enemies are the same four character models over and over and over again. For three hours. For three hours. Like, that would be okay if... It sounds okay. When you were... If... When you are the quiet man and people are like sign languaging things to you, it would tell you what they're saying. Or even when the quiet man who's deaf talks, they don't subtitle it. You don't hear it. It's like, it's just silence for three hours. And that would be okay. Maybe if no, there weren't seven minute cutscenes where he's talking to people or people are talking to him and you can tell that he's fully understanding like, what's being said by reading their lips, but you don't need to know that. They won't tell you that. Then you get to the end of the game, and you hear sound for the first time after the credits. And then it's like, play it again to find out what's going on. And it's like, no! no fuck you! You just wasted three hours of my life, and I'm not going to get that back. Why did you stop playing? Well, so I, I needed to try to see what was going on. Because it's weird. It's like, there's just 
it's so confusing. Like, it purposely tries to confuse you the entire time. And like I said, it just wastes your time. Like, let me see what, what you're trying to do here, which is not well done. Let me see it, like, straight out. Don't just, like, don't just, like, pull me along for three hours and then say, okay, play through it and see what we were trying to do, which we did terribly at it. I'm so stunned. So this was, like... A controller and your TV. This wasn't like a VR experience? No, no, no. It was a controller and the TV. And if you wanted to find out what the controls were, you hit the start button. And it has like this weird... It doesn't explain anything. It has this weird neon sign. You hit a button and then it'll show the guy like running or it'll show him punching. But some of the things he's doing things, it's like, I don't know what you're doing. So this button does something. Was he feeding the fish? I don't know. It is... It It is... It, it, so I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, and I like to give creators like some some rope to kind of like do interesting stuff. This is the worst game I've ever played, and and like I want I'm going to write something up for the site about it. You played it in 2018, the golden year of gaming. Yes, it is the worst video game I've ever played, hands down. Like I cannot think. Like I started playing it, and I'm like. Is this going to be like the Jason X thing where I'm like enjoying how bad it is? Like, and it has that at first. It's like super campy and stupid and you laugh at it. But then it's like, it gets so infuriating after a while. And it's just like, I was just like angry playing it. And once I got done and it told me that play it again, you hated it, but play it again <laughs> to understand what this was all about. It's like, no. So sorry, I got to stop because otherwise I could just like keep going for days on this. But yeah, The Quiet Man sucks. Don't play it. Even though it's 15 bucks or it's on sale for 10 or whatever, don't play it. What'd you pay for it? I paid. It was on sale, so it was 10 Not worth it. I mean, if you want, you can give me 10 bucks and I'll hit you in the nuts. <laughs> it's about, uh, that would be more enjoyable, most likely. And I don't know what that says about our relationship. I think it says it's a perfect relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have the same level of passion, but my biggest disappointment <laughs> last year was Sea of Thieves. It was a game I was really looking forward to. I don't have many friends on Xbox, so I didn't see much potential for playing with friends, but, you know, pirates are cool, and I was excited to get on a ship and explore and check it out, and I just hated the game so much. I wrote my impressions for the site. I played about three hours. It wasn't fun. There was no tutorial, so even... Like, basic things like getting your ship away from the dock was a pain in the ass. You had to raise the anchor, lower the sails, uh, figuring out how to use the map is not intuitive, finding out quests is not intuitive. Just, it was awful. And eventually, like, I'm out, and I go to this island, and I find the treasure chest, and that's nice, and I drag it back to the boat, and then my boat just out of nowhere just fucking capsizes. <laughs> the treasure's gone, and, like, I'm stuck in the sea, and I'm like, I am so done with this. So, do you think it would have been better if we would have done it like Ghost Recon and you had, like, three of us playing along with you? Would that have helped, or...? That would have made it a better experience. I don't think that it would have helped the game, but it would have been fun, just... It would have been a fun social place for us to hang out and for me to harass you guys <clears throat> and make a bunch of inappropriate jokes and curse. <laughs> that would have had value, certainly, but the game itself is just... A bare-bones foundation, and I did something kind of silly. Like, I was just appalled at how terrible this game was. So I do what any sane gamer does. I went on Reddit, I went to the Sea of Thieves subreddit, and I wrote, is this game actually fun as a subject line? <laughs> and I talked about how I was writing a piece for my site about it, and people just laid into me in the state of internet journalism. Uh, like, three people did offer to show me the ropes, and they gave me their gamer tags, and they said, you know, 
it's not for everyone, but we're, we'd be happy to bring you on our ship and show you around. So there's a community there, yeah. um, and I guess there is just a hint of potential, but for me, I am never going back to Sea of Thieves. Yeah, from what I've heard, I don't blame you. Not everything that disappointed us was a game. I think we both have a couple movies that we'd like to talk about. Why don't you start off? Yeah, so back in the day, Super Troopers was fantastic. Like, that's one of the funniest movies of all time. Definitely something I could throw on and really enjoy. I get a lot of flack from my friends about not seeing a lot of movies, especially from the 80s and 90s, but I have seen Super Troopers, and I love the original. So, Super Troopers 2, just, it, it did what I was worried about, and... It sucked? Well, it was it was, it was okay. It, in no way, <laughs> sorry, I've used that a lot, don't I? Three times, Breath of the Wild was... Okay. Well, would you Dead Redemption 2 was okay. <laughs> I guess if Super Trooper 2 is on the same par as those, I need to go buy that movie right now. <laughs> well, my roommates enjoyed it, but I it just, it tried to do too much of what the original did. It tried to rehash the same old jokes, and it, it just never seemed to hit the mark. And it's like, so much of it seemed to like play off of like the nostalgia of... Oh, yeah, remember when we did this bit in the first one? This is our take on it this time. And it's just like, nah. And the storyline of it wasn't nearly as compelling. And the ending especially just kind of fell flat. Compared to the first one where it's just like madcap, everybody's running everywhere to do these different things and goofy. And it's like the end of this one, it's just kind of like, eh, oh, there you go. It's interesting how they captured lightning in the bottle with the first one. Because the first one, it was... Very much a classic. It was very funny, and it just came out of nowhere. I remember seeing promotions where I'm like, that movie's going to be freaking terrible. Mm-hmm. And I was very surprised by it. I guess it's sad that they haven't been able to recapture any of that magic in any of their other projects. They right. tried that movie on an island. Was it supposed to be like a survival horror yeah. comedy type thing? Yep. And now they're trying to rehash Super Troopers and Super Troopers, Super Troopers 2, and it's just it's too bad it didn't work out. Yeah. And, and I mean, and they made it similarly, like they, they crowdfunded it, didn't have like a publisher that was telling, or a produce, producer that was telling them this is what you have to do, but it's just, I just don't think they found what they wanted to do with it to make it stand out on its own. Like like Deadpool 2, it, it, it does some of that same stuff where it goes back to the original and plays off of some of those jokes, but it does it so much better. Yeah, I think it expands and just, it's a huge improvement yep. and... Too bad the Super Troopers couldn't find a similar formula. And sticking with the comic book and movie theme, for me one of the bigger disappointments was Ant-Man and Wasp. I'm not saying it was a bad movie, and I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it, uh, but for me, I thought it was one of the worst movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, at least from a story standpoint. I thought the story was super, super weak, and the only Marvel Cinematic Universe movie I'd put beneath it, which I know is an unpopular opinion, is Civil War, which stands out as the worst to me. I, High five. I agree with you on that, except for I would put Age of Ultron below Civil War, but those two are, like, near the bottom for me. I like Age of Ultron. It was okay. It just, similarly, tried to do too much the same as what Avengers did, and then it's like, I think with Age of Ultron and Civil War, and I know I'm getting off topic, it's but fine. it's like, it's it kept, like, hammering this whole, like, Iron Man versus Cap thing, and it's just like, God, just... Get over it. I don't yeah, know. They both seemed whiny, and I didn't think it was a great portrayal of Cap. Coming back to Ant-Man and Wasp, there were certainly elements that I liked. Like, Paul Rudd was great, and the banter was terrific, and it was funny, but just the whole storyline of trying to rescue the mother, just blah. 
<laughs> Coming back to video games, there's a game that we both played. It was one of my most anticipated games of the year. Um, I'm fully prepared for you to say it was okay. What was your take on Octopath Traveler? So, I, I actually enjoyed Octopath Traveler, but it didn't quite live up to what I was hoping it was going to be. That's exactly how I feel about it, too. I expected one of the greatest games I'd ever played, and it, mm -hmm. it was good. It was fun, but for me, good was a disappointment. Yeah, and they did some interesting things, and I like how they integrate the eight different characters together. But it's the four just, different cloned characters. Well, exactly. It gets too repetitive. And like it's like they needed to make a decision. Either you commit to making these eight completely distinct people, and then you really get this wide breadth of like experience, or you focus in on a few of them and you take out some of the fluff and you take out some of the like unnecessary, like insane grinding at times that you have to do. Like Granted, we're not, I'm not nearly as far into Final Fantasy 1 as I was into Octopath Traveler, but I'm enjoying the grinding a lot more in Final Fantasy 1 than I did in Octopath Traveler. And so I agree. Octopath, the battle system is cool, and there's a lot of exploding weaknesses and stuff, but I get a lot of kind of samey feeling. Like mm -hmm. It's all about casting as many spells as I can to break the resistance and saving up my action points and hitting with one big hit after that. It's fine, it's fun, and the story is interesting, but... I am right with you on all of those points. The eight characters are not unique enough. They all have a different look and a different name, but four of them have the same unique ability, and that kind of shatters the immersion for me. And they use a bunch of faux Shakespearean, which just drives me crazy. <laughs> Dost thou doth wantest me to collect the hammer. Which character did you pick first? The Scholar. I'm all, okay. almost always a mage guy, and I'm glad I did. He's by far my favorite character out of everyone. Yeah, so I, I picked the Hunter... Oh, Which, God, that sounds awful. And the character class I actually enjoy. Yeah, the character class itself, but every interaction they have in the world just makes me want to punch my face. <laughs> Letting my arrow fly in true. And it's just like all of her, like, just like almost Middle Englishy types of sayings. It's just like... <laughs> I mean, it wasn't authentic enough to be real, and it wasn't entertaining enough to be an interesting take on it. It was some weird middle ground that was just frustrating. I mean, again, good game, just as disappointment. For me, the last thing I want to mention was I read the first two Witcher books, The Last Wish and Blood of Elves, and they're fine, but based on my experience with the first Witcher game and the legacy that the Witcher games have in the gaming marketplace, I was expecting something really amazing. It wasn't really the case. I'll read through the series, but I'm not super excited about it. I'm playing the first Witcher game right now. I have been for the last two and a half years or so. <laughs> so, you know, by the time we retire from our full-time jobs, I might have touched the third one. Well, I thought I thought the plan with the website was to retire in three years. You really better pick up your uh, game playing. Yeah, if you want to <laughs> just give me some money so I can pay for some games, and not you, Joey, but I'm talking about the listening public. Everyone, go back to your bosses. Say, I know this podcast. Let's uh, let's give them much money to play games and talk about them and try not to curse. That's overratedpod at gmail dot com. Two R's overrated. Pod. No two underscores. That's the, that's the Twitter. Just... I should have just stuck some underscores in there for <laughs> <brand> consistency. <laughs> we reached a part of the show that I usually love. It's our email segment. <laughs> Only once have we actually had people write in. <laughs> usually I make up a whole bunch of nonsense from to come for my friends. Today I sent out some feelers, or yesterday I sent out some feelers, and the only thing that came back was one friend wrote, 
the things you can do with your balls, from bat wings to other shapes. And I'm like, oh my god, this is too perfect. Joey, would you like to feel this one? <laughs> well, I mean, there was one specific point in my life where I focused on that. Um, <laughs> who, even, who even sent this in? That was from my friend John, Vanilla Gorilla. <laughs> so it's not even somebody I know. No. That's the most ironic thing about that, then. Yeah, no, it's a completely different group of friends, and uh, <laughs> they asked about balls. So, you know, I've seen your balls. So one time in college, it was a very contentious time, and, you know... at College ta- in general or the specific fraternity meeting? The specific fraternity meeting was very contentious, and so sometimes... A man realizes that the only thing that can... Joey's touching the table in a very serious <laughs> manner to emphasize his points. The, the only way that you can, like, fix a situation is to pull out your balls. I have found very few of <laughs> I'm glad that you found one. Please so, go on. So, um... My friend, D-Ball, who was sitting next to me, which is a very college name, I told him, when it comes to me to talk, take this piece of paper off of my crotch. <laughs> and, um... Why didn't you lift the piece of paper? Well, because I had my, my hands were predisposed. <laughs> I can never run for office now. Like, <laughs> not that I ever was going to. <laughs> and so we had been watching the movie Waiting. In that movie was so big in college, and I never yes. got it. Like, Ryan Reynolds was still a funny guy there, but I don't understand why that movie was yep. so popular. And, and Dane Cook was the other big one. That effing guy. He was a cook in the movie, so typecasting, I know. And the guy from the Apple commercials, he was starring in it. He was really big then. <laughs> That's right. Yes, he was. And so... You know, they did the, they had like, I think they called it in the movie, the penis showing game or whatever. And so they did all these different things that you could do with your balls. And one of them was the bat wing. And (laughs) other thing, you don't realize how malleable and stretchy a a scrotum is until you actually try it. Or until you listen to Outside is Overrated. This has definitely got the explicit tag on it, right? <laughs> Most certainly. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, you know, just flattened it out. It got to me, and uh, all I said was, Batwing, bitches! And all of the tension drifted away. Because we are all staring at your balls. You, <laughs> you managed to get us all. There were 20-some guys in that room. Mm-hmm. Maybe 30. Maybe 30. Maybe 30. Yeah, that was... Uh, that was well played. <laughs> that was, that's crazy that that came in. <laughs> the one thing I remember from waiting, the one thing I remember enjoying from waiting was that these guys would trick each other into seeing their balls, and then the guy who showed his balls would call the other guy a meat gazer. That's right. As though he intentionally was looking at the junk. <laughs> you all were a bunch of meat gazers that night. So if you want to hear something more interesting in our email segments... <laughs> Please. Or maybe Please. less vulgar. <laughs> you know, why don't you shoot us a line at overratedpod at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at Tom underscore underscore awesome. That's overratedpod at gmail.com or Tom underscore underscore awesome. And we look forward to discussing all kinds of nonsense in future episodes.
<laughs> the last thing we wanted to talk about, and we wanted to make sure that we had some decent time for this segment, was the top games of 2018. We mentioned what a great year it was, specifically in video games. Technology is amazing. Games are affordable. Displays are amazing. Big TVs are relatively affordable. And it was just a out out amazing year for gaming. Now, for me, I had a relatively busy year in my personal life. I, my wife and I gave birth to our first child, which is an awesome and amazing experience, but oh my god, does life change. It is impossible to underestimate or overestimate the change it's going to have on your life. So I found my gaming time dramatically reduced in 2018. I didn't stop gaming. Phoenix is very supportive of Outsiders Overrated and my gaming addiction in general, and for that I am super duper thankful. You're amazing, honey. I love you. Phoenix is awesome. But to that point, I only beat four games in 2018. I cherry-picked a couple that I nearly beat in 2017 in January. I'm not going to go into them all here. It would take a long time to list all four games. <laughs> I've got a nice recap article for the year on OIO. You can check it out. It's got a picture of me and my baby on the cover. I guess I will just list the games if I can remember all four. It was Lego Jurassic World, Shadows of Middle-Earth, the second um, Shadows Yeah, game. Shadow of War, right? Shadow of War, yep. yeah. Which was a huge disappointment, but that mostly fell in 2017, so we didn't talk about that. And then the original Tomb Raider, and then, oh gosh, I cannot even remember the fourth game that I beat. Spider-Man? No, I beat that this year in 2019. Oh, yeah. I was close, and I'm close on God of War. And but, uh, got close on Ghost Recon, too. Got very close on Ghost Recon. Yeah, I beat four games. So memorable, I can't even remember all four of them. <laughs> but Joey, I think that you had a slightly different experience in gaming last year than I did. Well, I mean, I do have a job, which means I can't spend all of my time playing games. But I don't have a wife. I don't have a new kid. So, so ladies, if you're single and looking to mingle, <laughs> why don't you hit me up at overratedpod at gmail.com and I'll hook you up with a brother. <laughs> I mean, sure. We'll give that a go. I mean, why not? <laughs> you hear her first. Joey is open for business. No catfishing, though, please. I don't want the whole, like, Manti Teo thing where it ends up being, like, some dude in an apartment building that... I don't know. You're a dude in an apartment building. <laughs> well, yeah, but I don't want to date another dude in an apartment building. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, trying to broaden my horizons here. Um, I see you looking at your phone, and that is a big list you have on your phone, Joey. And I also have 29 board games that I played this year. That's just the list of games you played. Yes. I should keep a list of games that I've played instead of beaten. That would be a much more in-depth and interesting list. Yeah, and and really, it's not. I this year I'm going to try to keep track of them as I go, and I'm. Like, one of my goals this year is to try to, like, keep, like, a gaming journal to just sort of write notes about what I've played. Um, so this was more so going through my trophy list at the end of the year. Okay, I played these games, remembering back what did I play on Switch, and so on and so forth. But yeah, I played 45 games this year, beat 15 with an asterisk, because, like, I'm almost level 60 in Overwatch. I consider that beating that game. Until you get a star, you didn't beat shit. I mean, close. if you're playing Destiny, which you hate with a fiery, burning passion, if you're yes. playing Destiny and it beat like all the story beats, I'd consider that beat, even though it's a game as a service. With Overwatch, I think beating it is at least level 100. I, I, I hate Destiny so much that I had two opportunities to get Destiny 2 for free, and I passed them up. You're crazy. It's a fun game. I know that the first one let us down, and, you know, it had very disappointing elements but the second one's fun the shooting's tight and especially with a group of people it's pretty entertaining 
I don't know. You have to. You have to. You have to show Stop me. Stop making the masturbatory gesture. <laughs> I, that's the one gesture I did not do. That's true. Right? <laughs> I lied to all of you. So far, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and then the other asterisk is I beat the main storyline of Final Fantasy XIV from the initial. Uh, I haven't gotten through both expansion storyline yet. I think that counts. I mean, if so, you yeah. beat all the story content in a game that keeps going, like an MMO, I think. That counts as beating it. Yeah. Especially if you hit level cap. Did you hit level cap? No, I did oh, not. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, well, I hit the original level cap, not the new level cap with the expansions. Well, there you go. So, yeah. And then I earned three Platinums, which um, were in games that we'll be talking about as we go through, except for Donut County, which is like a two-hour-long Platinum. This was a fantastic year for gaming. I don't know if it's better than 2017. Like... I can't really remember 2017. The last couple of years have all been just amazing yes. games. Yeah, it's been fantastic. But yeah, lots of really good stuff. Really good things came in. A few duds, but that's going to happen. So yeah, I don't know. I really enjoyed this year. So with that, we'll lead into our top games of the year. I'm going to let you go first here because I want to talk about my favorite game. So I didn't think we'd line up on number one game of the year. So yeah. the floor is yours, my friend. What was the best game in 2018, according to the Hobby Box? Yeah, the best game of 2018 for me is Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven? Yes. That's a board game. Yes, um, but it is by far the most sustained fun I've had with any game I've ever played. It looks really remarkable. You let me sit in on a session. I wrote a uh, one piece on kind of the rules and mechanics. I've got another piece coming in the somewhat near future about just detailing the actual adventure to give people a little flavor for it. But tell us more about Gloomhaven and why it's the most fun you've had with any game ever. Yeah, so it's um, a legacy-type board game. So basically what that means is you play the same game over and over, but you're unlocking different things as you go through it. And similar to, like, Dungeons & Dragons, it has an evolving set of scenarios and stories. And you unlock different areas to go to. So right now I think we have seven different scenarios unlocked for a couple different quest lines. So it's a lot like a video game in that, where you unlock different paths and you decide which way to go. And then it'll give you decision points where it's like, if I do this, if we do this that closes off this path, and we're not going to see what happens here. We're not going to get the rewards that happen there, which is a really interesting way for the overall campaign to be designed. Um, but the actual gameplay itself, it's a card-based system. So unlike D&D, it's not dice. You have your hand of cards that can vary anywhere from some character classes, I think, have eight, up to uh, we've had a character class that had 12 cards in their hand. And that's what you do on every turn. You play two cards, you do the top of one card and the bottom of the other card. And so the tops are usually some sort of an attack, um, whether it be a ranged attack or a close quarters attack. And then the bottoms are usually some sort of movement. Um, and then there's other different things like shielding yourself or retaliating if you get attacked that some of those different things do. And the whole game becomes a strategy because you lose those cards as you go through them. So some of them, if it has a really powerful effect on it, you actually discard completely that card and you don't get it back um, after you take a rest. And so you slowly are going through all of these skills that you have and it's dwindling down to the point where you're trying to decide what are the skills that I need to complete this mission? Um, what are the things, the tools that I need to prepare for myself in order to take this on? And then also when you're playing things, what are the other people around the table supposed to be doing? Because Gloomhaven 
tries to tell you that it, it doesn't want a lot of table talk until all the cards are on the table. Mm-hmm. And so you, you can plan to some extent to say, okay, let's try to get into this other room. Or I'm going to try to attack this guy and kill him. But you can't say, I'm going to move really early, and I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to end up in this spot. So sometimes you might be trying to do the same thing as the other people. The other really interesting thing about the game is you don't play as the same character all the way through. So it's not like D&D where unless your character dies, or any sort of other tabletop RPG, unless your character dies, you're playing them through level 20 and beyond. You are playing as unique characters. Everyone has their own character card with like a specific class and specific abilities. But you're saying that changes over time. Yes, so you end up getting a personal quest. And once you complete that personal quest, you have to retire. So, so your character is gone yep. forever. Your character is gone. You add some different events where you bump into them later on down the road um, in sometimes depressing, depressing fashion. Um, and other times it's like, oh, shit, you're helping us out a lot type of ways. Um, and so that's really fun, too. But then you unlock a new character. And that character could be the same or similar. Um, like a similar class. Similar class. Like it could be a tank. Um, or it could be something completely different. So my first character class was the Brute, one of the top, the six starting classes. So that's the tank. You're, you're running in there. You have one ranged attack, a second one that you can unlock later on. Um, but otherwise, you're just sort of grounding and pounding and getting out there, hoping to do damage in as many different ways as possible and soak it up so that your you know, more weaker characters aren't getting it. And then I unlocked a character that was the complete opposite and my character spends most of the game invisible and strikes from the shadows. And so it's just, it completely changes the way you're playing the game, which like with D&D, you kind of get so like roped into playing one way. And this, it's just like, okay, this is a completely different game. And the first couple times you play a new character, you probably are going to suck and you're going to get frustrated to some extent. But then once you figure out, how that character works for your play style, it's so rewarding to then be like, that that scenario, I fucked shit up, you know? I, like, dominated. And it just feels so cool to be able to, like, to pull that off and to, to accomplish that. That's really refreshing. Between D&D and the standard MMO, you get so locked into party construction. It's kind of interesting that they kind of bust that and really limit your options and you're forced mm-hmm. to find ways to work with what might be a less than optimal party composition. Gloomhaven is a huge game. I know that from just watching you for one session. We can't get into yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> all of it here. But I think one thing that you guys do that's really neat is you send your characters off in style. Yes, so we came up with the idea pretty early that when a character retires, we were going to have a retirement party and we were going to have retirement cakes. And so every time we've had... Now we've had four characters retire and we've had... Cakes, and it has to say the character's name on the cake. What happens if the grocery store screws up the character's name? Well, Because so, it's not like they're named Ted Smith. No, so they seem to do okay with Chisel Cantilever, um, and Tandy Mysterion went okay too, but when the cake came back to me and it was my, my brute character, Brutus Bone Barker, um, and it's like, that's supposed to be Bone Breaker? And so they're like, oh, okay, we'll fix that quick. And then they had to like like, somehow wedge it so it looked like it said Breaker on it. Zratch Slate Truer was probably the best one because they're like, how do you spell that? He's like, I probably should just write it down. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. We decided at the end, um, once we beat the game, we're going to get a wedding cake. And we're going to take a picture of it with all of the miniatures on the cake. That's such a good um, idea. That we use to complete the game in. And so, but it's a crazy game. Like, we've been playing it since April last year. We've played 36 sessions. You usually play Thursday nights for two to three hours. And usually that's a session per play session, correct? Yep. Um, every now and again, there's like these solo scenarios that you could get with the Kickstarter that I ended up getting. Um, and so we've played four of those and we usually like would tack those on to the end. Um, once you have a character that's at the level that can do those. Um, but mostly it's just one scenario each night takes about two hours to get through a scenario. And then there's like side stuff that you're doing before and afterwards, like leveling your character, different events and stuff like that, reading different things that you've unlocked. Really cool game, something that I'm super excited to play, but I will say it is a commitment. Yes. If you're going to get the most out of that game, you need a group of players that is absolutely willing to put in the time to yep. see it through. And at least, like, a couple. So the game does a really good job of scaling so that if you have one person that's kind of in and out, you can still play with three people. And then all you have to do is just figure out the algorithm for three people, how difficult are our, mom, are our, are our monsters, and then... The scenario book kind of tells you for two characters, you have these monsters. For three characters, you have these out there. And it changes depending on the number of characters you have. So it does a good job scaling with that. But yes, you do want the group mostly completely committed. You know, I don't have that much commitment for my friends. So I'm going to stick to largely single-player offline experiences. <laughs> which leads me to my top game of the year. One that I absolutely loved and adored. Starring my favorite character in the world. Spider-Man on PlayStation 4. It was everything I hoped for in a Spider game. I don't know if I'll actually get around to writing a review for it or not, but if I do, if I did, I would give it a 9.75. Early on in the game, I was worried that it was a very similar version of the Batman Arkham series, but worse. I was thrilled when it evolved into its kind of its, its own thing. One thing that really wrecked me, playing Batman and playing Hand of Fate and some other games with a dodge counter mechanic, Triangle was not the dodge button in Spider-Man. <laughs> so I would get my little Spider-Sense tingling, and I'd hit Triangle, and then I'd get whacked in the face <laughs> again and again. It's Circle on the PlayStation, which, you know, I know they did to separate it from the Arkham series, but, oh, man, it took a long time to train my brain that Triangle was not dodge. And if I ever go back to Arkham, Batman's going to get punched in the face. <laughs> the one kind of issue I had with the game is that the boss fights were a little weak. They looked cool. Um, there's one where you're fighting both the Vulture and Rhino at the same time, and basically you're doing the same trick a couple of times to lure mm -hmm. them into a certain spot. Yeah, it seems like they were going for the boss fights being more cinematic and less difficult. And I, I am fine with that approach. I mean, mm -hmm. lots of games have challenging boss encounters. If you're a really badass boss, play some Dark Souls, and you'll find a whole bunch to sink your teeth into there. I thought that the story and the cinematics across the entire game were just enchanting. I loved the cutscenes. I loved everything with Peter. They introduced Miles Morales. The interactions between Peter and Mary Jane were absolutely stellar all the way through the game. Um, and they portrayed Dr. Octavius as a father figure to mm -hmm. Peter. And I really like that dynamic, too. It was a little bit of a departure from source material, which usually gets my nerd rage just to pop in. <laughs> but I thought they did it really well. It, it made sense. Peter worked for Otto Octavius, and they had a strong relationship. And it just worked really well. They also introduced Mr. Negative as one of the big bosses in the game. And I thought he was a very interesting and cool character as well. Yeah, I think 
just in general, all the characters were really well done, fantastically developed. I think they had like the right things at the right time to make the story interesting and compelling and to keep you going. Oh my god, we're launching in the third act. I just about lost. I yeah. One of the best scenes I've seen in gaming. And maybe that's biased by my spider love, but mm -hmm. the story, I can't say enough just how great the story was. I don't know if I'll play the whole game again, but I will most certainly watch the story clips on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was fantastic. So I know one thing that a lot of people didn't like about the game were the missions where you're not Peter or you're not Spider-Man. Yeah, that was kind of a down point, but I think they are trying really hard to introduce a lot of variety. Mm -hmm. And Maybe those missions weren't the best. You play as Miles, some you play as Mary Jane, some. Uh, but I didn't think they were necessarily bad, and they yeah. were uh, rare enough that I didn't say, oh my god, I have to hack some more devices with Miles. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there was one especially with Mary Jane that I actually really, really liked. When you're in the what, Grand Central Station or whatever, yep. so much fun. And I, I just, it was, I think it's really good when games break up and add variety like that even though it's i don't know if i'd ever get sick of swinging around manhattan with as as spider-man um but it's still cool to be able to like get that other perspective and then you get to see how badass spider-man looks when you're like there directing him to take the different people out and you're like okay yeah that's what i look like when i do this <laughs> stuff that's cool yeah it's neat how it changed the perspective the game also had a ton of suits for spider-man that you unlock by doing different stuff from stopping crimes to doing other activities and they were mostly really cool but i only used a couple i had a couple of favorites and i used maybe four or five throughout the game was that similar for you yeah so <laughs> i found one that i really really liked um i like the negative suit because it was black and white like my favorite spider suit <laughs> i uh i really liked the comic book one i used that one a bit too until i got to a really serious cutscene. And I'm like, oh no, I can't. Our experience is like the same. I can't watch this. Like, it's like this is this really like sweet scene between him and MJ, and he's, and he's wearing, wearing the ridiculous suit. suit from like the eighties <laughs> cartoon that just completely clashes with the art style. Yeah, and so 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 yeah, so that was like okay, I'm gonna go back to a more normal looking suit. I wore the red leather coat for the last I don't know fifth of the game or so. Another neat thing about the game is combat difficulty increased as the game went on. The enemies started getting armor, they started getting bigger, there were a lot of them, and um, depending on how you spent your different perks that you had available, challenging, the combat could be rather challenging. Mm -hmm. You also had some gadgets, which I didn't get as much into the gadgets. I used some web stuff for crowd control, but for the most part, I was just punching dudes in the face and zipping around. Now, you platinum this game, and I... After beating the game, you said you had a couple things to wrap up, and I look at my map, and I'm like, oh my god, i got to stop eight crimes here, i got to do this here, i got to do this here, and I just, I don't know if I'm going to platinum Spider-Man. <laughs> so it wasn't too bad. The hardest thing are, like, the uh, challenge you side missions. you have to get gold on the challenges? No, to just silver. Still going to be... Still going to be a little hard. There's a couple I had to try a few times. Which of the categories of the challenges was the most frustrating for you? Um, The ones, the drone ones. Interesting. Those are the easiest for me. For the ones I hate are the stealth ones, because you don't get a lot of feedback on how to get a higher score. Yeah, I think those are tough, too. The fighting ones were easy, I thought. Yeah, fighting's just fighting. Yep. But overall, really cool game. For me, yes. favorite game of the year. I It was everything I hoped for in a Spider-Man game, and my hopes were very, very high. Yes, it was my third favorite video game 
of the year. What was your second favorite video game? First favorite? First favorite video game, second favorite game of the year was God of War. Which I played a fair amount of, and I agree that it's awesome. It'd probably be my number two of the year. Maybe I'm jumping ahead quite a bit here, but is there some shock ending to that game that's going to make it my favorite game of the year? I was talking to another friend about it, and he said, if you beat God of War, you would undoubtedly say that is the best game like of all time not just of 2018 <laughs> but like the greatest game that's ever going to melt into our brains um is there something coming like you know roughly where i am there's lots of well so where are you i i have the key and i'm heading back up the mountain to uh go to jotunheim gotcha yeah and i think i'm a fair way back up the mountain yeah there's a lot yet <laughs> well, I'm back into it tonight, and please avoid any spoilers from that point. Yes. assessment. So, I, I, as I was thinking back as to why I enjoyed this game so much, so I played the original, the first two God of Wars. I really liked them. Um, no, played I never really played. I dabbled a little bit with the first one. I'm like, oh yeah, this is kind of fun, but you know, I, if I'm just going to kill waves of dudes, I'd rather play Diablo. Yeah. And it, it was, for the time, it was an interesting game, and it was like that. Like, that was, like, one of the first, like, this is just crazy over-the-top games. Like, you're just doing this weird over-the-top action and, and ripping a god that's, or a titan that's triple your size in half, or a hundred times your size in half and everything like that. I was going to call you out on triple. I thought the titan was pretty big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, And so, like, the way I kind I of... I know that my titan is big. <laughs> hey, one for one. Get out. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> no, that was a compliment. You can stay. <laughs> but the way I looked at it, the way I broke it down is, I played God of War one and two when I was in high school time frame, and like I was a juvenile, and that was kind of a juvenile series at that time. The story was interesting as to, like, the grand epic scale of it, but it never really, like, did anything. Like, Kratos was just a screaming head character, right? Like, Calliope! You know, it just, like, would just tear everything apart, um, which I guess, you know, an angsty teenager would probably want to do. Um, And now playing this God of War as an adult and seeing, like, an actual legitimate, like, like, 3D character of Kratos that still, like, is true... He's still a badass. He's still a badass, and it's still true to that whole, like, ragey, screamy kind of thing, but they do just enough to make him a much more interesting and dynamic character, and and having uh, Atreus there as his son, and the way that they play off of each other, and the way that Atreus kind of changes throughout the game, like... He goes through that angsty stage when he doesn't want to listen to you and you're just like, boy! Oh my god, I just wanted to throw him off the damn mountain a couple points. Right? Um, but it's interesting to see that development and the way that you see... Because the game is just as much about, if not more, about Atreus's kind of journey as it is Kratos's journey. Um, and it's just kind of... I think it's absolutely about Atreus' journey. Yeah. That's the focal point, and I think Kratos is almost a secondary character. Yeah, and there's bits and pieces, and I can't remember where you're at, so I'm not going to get into any story stuff. I appreciate it. But there are pieces 
I think even if you haven't played the game, that are nods back to Kratos' past that are just so, like, well done and fulfilling. And it's like, the whole thing, because it's like he, the whole thing, the whole setup of it is that he went to Norse mythology because he's kind of destroyed everything about Greek mythology, right? And they, from the point I'm at in the game, they actually made that make a little bit of sense. Yeah. Jumping in mythologies. And so he's like in this whole area and almost trying to lay low until it's like, well, that's not going to be possible. We have to do this. The opening segment of the game is one of the most gripping things I've encountered in any game ever. Yeah. And so it's just, there's so many different story points. And then I think changing the gameplay completely. Um, the first one, it's like... It was a hack and slash game. It was basically a button masher. Yep. You chain together some combos and you just mow through waves of guys. And that is no longer the case with God of War. Yeah, it's like the, the original ones were like, here's your painting. You're on the screen. You're moving around the screen and just slashing everything. And then you move to the next screen. Here's your, here's your picture of that screen. You run around and slash things. And, like, with this, over the shoulder, like, the whole game is, the whole game was designed as, like, a one-shot. It's always the movie, it's like a movie over Kratos' shoulder from his perspective almost the entire time. Some cutscenes it breaks away from that. But for the most part, it's like you're close in on his back. And you have enemies surrounding you. And the combat is not the same as Dark Souls. But it takes a lot of things from it, it seems like, to me. Mm -hmm. And, like, the whole, like, parrying and stepping back and moving around and then taking the strikes when you need to and taking advantage of that was so fulfilling. And then when you get into some of, like, the really complicated battles and some of, like, the side stuff, like the Valkyrie battles that you do um, that, that, you, that are just optional. And it's like... Those Valkyries are tough AF. Holy crap. Like, I beat two of them before I beat the game. I'm never going to beat one of them. Um, and it's just, but like, it's seriously, it's it's the thing that I didn't like about Bloodborne, and I think I actually might like Bloodborne more now, in that, like, you sit there and you grind away until you find out what you have to do, and what skills that you have do you have to use in order to beat this thing, and like, sometimes for an hour, or an hour and a half, fighting that same battle, and like, Typically, in a game, I would just be like, nope, I'm out of here. No, I'm not doing this stupid thing. But for some reason with this game, it, like, I just wanted to, like, I wanted to beat that. And once you took that down, it was just so fulfilling. And I've never had a game that was, like, difficult like that that sort of, like, pulled me in that direction, which is why I want to try Bloodborne again, because I think I might like it a lot more now, even though the combat's pretty different still. Those sentiments are interesting, Last year, the year before, I wrote a piece about how I suck at Dark Souls. I enjoyed it, but I wrote mm -hmm. about my struggles with it. And I put that on Reddit, and several people expressed that same sentiment. They yep. get that same kind of rush or that same high from finally figuring out how to beat a boss in Dark Souls and just probing and probing and probing and studying and working and finally finding the solution and the immense satisfaction that comes with it. Yeah. So, and, and without saying anything story-wise, they do a really good job of setting up like, where things are going to go from here, and what the next God of War is going to be, and the next couple, maybe, even. I don't know what, I don't want, I don't know what their roadmap is for it, but it is, they do such a good job of wrapping this story up 
with a bow and making you feel good about the journey that you've taken and it being worthwhile and then enticing you to be like, hey, this next one's going to be even better and this is why. And it's just like some games, a lot of games do that now because it's all about like... Spider-Man did that. It's all about the sequel and and Spider-Man did a really good job of it too. But like God of War, it was just like, okay, this is what's happening. This is where this is going. And it's just like, okay, I day one, strap me in. I'm ready to go. Because this, it's just, so it was just phenomenal. And it, it came at the right time of the year. There wasn't a whole lot else. And I just like, just mowed through that game. And, 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 and then took, you gave me your copy and I've been sitting on it for a few months. <laughs> and that's fine. Because it's, sometimes you just got to be in the right vein to play something. I ran into that with Spider-Man. Like I knew I was getting close to the end and I didn't want to play when I was in a pissy mood or yeah. if I didn't have time, I won't. Games are incredible now, and sometimes you just need to be in the mindset to savor them. Exactly. Is God of War the best game on PlayStation 4 or the best game of this console generation to date? For me, yes. I know other people, and I can completely respect other people that would... not respect other people. That would say that Breath of the Wild is better. There, I'm sure there are people that share that sentiment. Yep. There's people that will say that Red Dead Redemption 2 is better. And by your own admission, both those games are okay. They're okay. And that's a much deeper conversation as to why maybe I struggle with those games compared to other types of games with like the open world and too open of an open world, um, which I find those games to be for me. But yeah, for me, I think so far God of War is the best game of the PS4. Where's the rank in your all-time favorite games? Does it crack a top five? Um, top ten, top ten for sure. I would really have to think about top is your, five. Is your top five all a bunch of nostalgic crap like mine? So Final Fantasy Tactics, Baldur's Gate, and then I have to think a little bit more on the rest. I was gonna say, to some extent, like Life is Strange, which came out a couple of years ago, is definitely in my top five, um, and that's a much bigger conversation to have. You're a strange human being. You're a strange human being, my friend. Yeah. Um. Just from a, like a, from a story standpoint, Life is Strange just did some things like just connected. I think on a level that not many other games, if any other games, ever have. Our fellow OIO contributor Patrick, he the rogue hippo, he is a huge fan of Life is Strange too. I mean, when he recommended, I totally blew it off. If yeah. that's what you get, Pat, stick that <laughs> in your pat hole. But maybe I'll check it out based on your recommendation. Yeah, I'm waiting until all of Life is Strange is out, all the episodes are released, and then I'll play through it all. Because that's how I played the first one, is once they were all out, I kind of binged through it. I don't want to take breaks. I just want to take it at whatever pace I want to and have the option. So one of the reasons that I wanted to do this segment with us getting our favorite games out in front was I hate when podcasts do, like, top five games or something, and they start at... <laughs> Number five, and they worked their way back. By the time you get to number one, you've talked about all the games. Like, I wanted to right. get the games we were most excited about. Now I'm seeing the weakness of that strategy. It's like, I don't want to talk about this other crap on the list. <laughs> no, Spider-Man and God of War are two incredible games. Yes. Let's just touch briefly on some of our other okay. high points from last year. I want to touch on Monster Hunter World. It's the first time I played a Monster Hunter game. I sucked balls at it. I actually only played it one day. I took the day off from work. Our friend, our mutual friend and Wildlands compatriot, Eric, took the day off from work, and we set up in my basement here. We played the entire day, and that was awesome. Uh, I started on the Insect Glaive. I couldn't really figure out that weapon, but I switched to a bow and arrow, and that fit me much better. Uh, I was really excited to play more, but then Eric got way out in front of me, <laughs> and I was worried about the balancing and him just like killing every monster that we go after <laughs> and kind of killing the fun on it. 
So I thought that was a really cool game last year. I'm interested in the remastered Monster Hunter Generations on the Switch to have Monster Hunter on the go. I know you played a little bit of Monster Hunter. Do you want to add any thoughts before we jump into kind of honorable mention for the year? Yeah, Monster Hunter is an interesting game. The combat's fun. It's it's similar. It's difficult and rewarding once you start to figure it out. Um, I think the toughest thing that I had with it is just figuring out what weapon is the best one for me to use. And you only played solo, correct? Um, so no, I did end up playing with a couple of friends uh, for a bit at one point. Uh, we played just one session for a couple hours, I think. Uh, but they were both like quite a bit, quite a few levels higher than oh, me, sure. like a, a lot of levels higher than me. For me, it was a lot more fun struggling to learn all the mechanics with another new player and yeah. just going through it. Especially with someone that can deal with my kind of wackiness. <laughs> right. And so I made it to level 10. I tried one. I don't even remember what weapon I tried first. I didn't really like it. I think you also tried the insect blade first. We talked about it. It could bit. be. And then I'm doing a lance was the most recent one I've done. And I enjoyed that a little bit more. It's difficult to use, but it's, it's interesting and it's fun to kind of keep your, keep your distance from the enemies, I think, uh, with that game. But it is really cool. Like, and I think, dropping into this is the area you're at and you just kind of got to search then for the monsters look for the clues yeah it's a really interesting concept and it doesn't get like pun intended i guess two in the weeds with it but it like has just enough pieces of it where it's like you do feel like you're tracking a monster and then you attack it and it's epic and then you'll be attacking it and another one comes in and attacks that and then you're like okay i'm gonna back off and you know and you because if i stay here i'm dead as shit yeah basically so yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, it's one of those I'd like to get back to and grind away some more at it. I really want to get to like the Final Fantasy XIV content because I'd really like to have that Dragoon armor. <laughs> um, but uh, I just, it's just there's so many things that I just don't know if I'll get back to it to really give it a whole lot more justice. Yeah, it'd be fun if we could find some more time to dig into it. But I mean, just looking at the games that we're playing together... The two of us, we're playing Divinity Original Sin together. Yes. We're playing a whole lot of Wildlands. We got close to beating that with a squad of four playing together through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Eric again raced ahead. Thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs> I want to play more Monster Hunter, but I also want to be able to put in a whole chunk of time to it. Yeah, exactly. So just some honorable mention of games that came out last year that I either enjoyed or want to get to. Far Cry 5, I played a little bit. It didn't engage me much, but I borrowed it from a buddy, and I'm super excited to dive into Terror Around. Forza Horizon 4, I, I don't know what it is about the Forza games. I'm not mm-hmm. a big racing guy fan, but I really enjoy the Forza series. Into the Breach by the creators of FTL, one of my favorite games. Uh, I really want to get that on my Switch and go nuts on that. Uh, I want to spend more time with Switch RPGs in general. We haven't talked at all about the Switch. I think we're both in agreement that the Switch is an amazing piece of hardware that we both love. Mm-hmm. And I love my role-playing games on it. I, mean, <clears throat> I played mostly Octopath Traveler, and I think that's the worst of the role-playing games I've had on the Switch. <laughs> I know a lot of people hated Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I'm really enjoying it, but I'm stuck in Octopath, and once I get through that, I'll move on to some other things. Mm-hmm. Um, Nino Kuni 2, Pillars of Eternity 2 I want to get to. I was playing a whole bunch of Pillars of Eternity in the late stages of Phoenix's pregnancy. We had kind of a nighttime routine. We'd get back from work, we'd have dinner, we'd go for a walk or something, and then I'd play a couple hours of Pillar while she'd hang out on the sofa watching stuff on the phone or falling asleep, and it was just a nice thing. And then my child came, and I haven't played it since. <laughs> And Divinity Original Sin 2 also came out, and was loving the first game, and it'll be awesome to buy the second one on sale sometime and dig into that. Yeah, and play with that. We could play that with our whole four group. Yeah, that's true, and I guess there's a lot of room for chaos in it, so that'll fit our play style as well. <laughs> Just a bit. The one game that I didn't get to that I, I mentioned it earlier and I'm super-duper excited for, 
Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to play that game. You have, and your takeaway is? I mean, Red Dead Redemption 2 is okay. Like, and I'm not going to get too into depth with it, but I think it's like that and Breath of the Wild and games like that. Skyrim, similarly, I played more of that than this. When an open world is too open for me, um, and you have so many options and so many places you can go. Do you find yourself being bogged down just wandering around and looking at stuff? Yeah, so it's like it's that, it's like Netflix. It's like indecision. It's like I could watch all these things. I could go all these places. I could follow this quest line or this quest line or this quest line. I can't decide. I'm not going to do any of it. And I think with Red Dead Redemption 2 especially, I mean, they made very purposeful decisions. And I can respect them for that. But sometimes when I play a game, I want to be able to do these three things and quit. And I don't want to have a lot of filler in between. And so, like, with GTA V, the brilliant thing they did with that is you had your three main characters. You're all the way down in the south section of one city and you want to go to the northern area. Jump to Trevor and you're there. Red Dead Redemption 2, mosey on out, jump onto the horse... Riding through, oh, there's some O'Driscolls, they're shooting at me, I gotta shoot them. Um, you go through a town, you know, someone comes up to you and says, hey, how you doing? You try to say, hey, partner, you hit the wrong button, shoot them in the head. Next thing you know, you're chased by all the lawmen. It's like, it's fun and it's chaos, and like, in certain moods, I'm up for that. But like, it's just, that's what's been keeping me away from it, is it's like, I just don't know... If this is the game I really want to pump like 40 more hours into right now, when there's other things I'd rather just sort of keep playing and play for shorter chunks of time that I know I'm going to get out of it what I want to get out of it, um, instead of just getting lost in the world. And and maybe that makes me stupid. I, I don't know. But that's just kind of where I'm at with it. I well, think lots of things make you stupid. That, that is true. So I, I think I, I'll get back to it at some point. I feel similarly. I feel... I own so many video games, just physical copies for PS4 and Xbox One and Switch that I feel, if I'm not making progress in games, I feel like I am wasting my time. Yeah, exactly. So I, if Red Dead Redemption 2 was the only game I had, I'm sure I would love it and moseying around, but, you know, looking at my immediate horizon, I want to play The Last of Us, I want to play the newest South Park game that came out, and so a couple shorter experiences that I can check off the list before I really dive into something like Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, I need to play The Last of Us 2, because, or Last of Us also, because have I'm you getting... Have you played it? No. Neither I, have I. I played... I, so the story with that is I played it on my PS3, my original launch PS3, and after I played Did the first... like $800 for? No, I bought it on eBay for 500 a year after it came out. So what a bargain. It wasn't too bad, and I got like four games with it too. Nice. The only one that I really cared about was Oblivion, after the first two hours, I would play it for 15 minutes, and my PS3 would shut off. Okay. Play it for 15 more minutes, PS3 would shut off. And so it's like, okay, I don't want to completely brick this system. So I ended up buying a new PS3 solely to play Last of Us, and then never got back to it. <laughs> I bought it on PS3, I bought it re-released on PS4, and I've never touched it. So maybe we can do that and talk about it in a future show. Yeah. But I think we've yammered on for long enough. It's been a lot of fun having you here 2018 was an amazing year for games i'm sure 19 will be as well yeah um so just to kind of round out my list quickly um my number two game of the year i would say was detroit become human wow that's high a lot of people aren't going to agree but that's that's a 
hobby box burns ass type of game where it's, I just really like games where it's like the decision trees and like this decision affects this and this and this. And so like Heavy Rain originally was that type of game for me. And I went through and played like every permutation of that and platinumed it. So are you a big Telltale fan then? Yeah, I did like Telltale. Uh, rip. Um, <laughs> it's a bummer. Hopefully those developers all find good homes. And so, so yeah, so like Detroit Become Human was just so interesting with how they did that. And I will agree, the story is hokey. Their handling of like the race stuff is pretty like slappy across the face type of thing. Um, but Some in general, they're getting slapped in the face. That is true. Uh, but in general, it's pretty good. Other honorable mentions for me, I beat Yakuza 0 this year. Oh, I want to play the Yakuza games. Yakuza 0 is so dang good. Yakuza 0 is so dang good. I should borrow that to you. Um, or lend that to you. I would love that, but God only knows you're going to back <laughs> That's fine. And so I started playing Yakuza Kiwami. I like that too. Um, I'm going to play through all those games because I just love them so much. And Tetra- I think they're re-releasing them all, aren't they? Yes. So 3, I think, is supposed to come out this year. And 4, maybe, at the end of the year. And so, yeah, uh, I'm super excited. That series is, I'm, I'm glad I finally found it because uh, it's just so kooky and weird and then so, like, over-the-top serious at the same time. It's just this, like, dichotomy that's so interesting. Tetris Effect was a fantastic game I played this year. Um, the fuck is Tetris Effect? So Tetris Effect... I saw you piling up achievements for it. I'm like, yeah. Joey, what, what are you doing? So Tetris Effect is a new version of te- Tetris made by... The developer who made Child of Light, not Child of Light, um, Child of Eden, way long ago on the PS3 with the original like Never move controllers um, when the PlayStation I came out. And he also made Res and then Res Infinite for VR. And so his whole thing is like the mixture of music and video and graphics. And so with Tetris Effect, it's like you're playing Tetris, obviously, but then it coincides with the music and the music ramps up and every time you turn one of the tetroman tet, i can't say that tetris pieces let's just say that tetronomy was that the word you're looking yeah for? I, I can never say that word tetrimonials tetra yeah so, yeah um so tetricles those t- tetricles i play with my tetricles all the time i've um, seen them <laughs> you have but every time you flip them it makes a sound to the music and so it's just this interesting mash of like this like rhythmic music in your head. Um, and the game straight up says at the start to play it with headphones because that's the experience they want you to have. And I haven't played it in VR yet. I need to because I hear it's phenomenal just being completely washed over with it. Do you have a VR system? I do have a PSVR. We should maybe talk about that sometime. I think VR is dumb, but I have never experienced it, so maybe we could have an interesting conversation there. Yes, uh, definitely. It's a lot of fun. Then again, I haven't taken mine out of the box since I moved back to Minnesota. Like a year ago. A year and a year half. A year and a half. Um, but I, I think about it, taking it out all the time. Um, I think about taking it out all the time, too. <laughs> yes, Phoenix. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then like Ghost Recon Wildlands was a lot of fun playing with you guys. Um, so that would be up there as well. Um, yeah, I didn't talk about it a lot because that came out in 2017. Yep. At least I got it for Christmas 2017. A rare game that I got as a gift. Thank you to my brother Jake. We played mm-hmm. the hell out of that and it's been a lot of fun. So yeah, so I, I think for the most part those are like the games that I played this year that really stand out that I just wanted to give a little shout out to. It's been an amazing year for gaming. I'm sure 2019 will be very similar because it's not like technology is getting worse. More and more people mm-hmm. are creating amazing games and I hope that I can find time to experience them all. 
Thank you all so much for listening us to us today. It's been a lot of fun. Bernsey, it was great having you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it was lots of fun. Um, got a little bit into some things I never thought I was going to talk about on this podcast today, but there you go. Well, welcome to the club. <laughs> I'm glad we can bring your balls into the uh, spotlight that they so badly deserve. Yes, hopefully this is the last time we talk about them, but I doubt it. <laughs> if you enjoyed the show, I sincerely hope that you will subscribe and consider telling a friend about it. We don't have much of an audience, but we have a lot of fun here. You can also follow us on social media. You can suggest show ideas. You can tell us we're a bunch of big, dumb idiots or, uh, you know, maybe send some positive thoughts out in the world. <laughs> but you can reach me on Twitter at Tom underscore underscore awesome. Joey, do you want to give yours one more time? Yeah, at HobbyBoxBurns. No underscores. He is totally off-brand for Ohio. <laughs> you can also follow the show on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Outside is Overrated or on Instagram at Outside underscore Overrated Pod. We'll be back with another great show next month. Thank you one more time to our sponsor, Premier Health. Check out their website at premierhealthmn.com. We'll see you in about a month. Stay inside, kids. I'll play my drop for Tom Awesome's top five. Listening to Pat's deep voice. It's magical. It's almost uh. like Batman. <laughs>